It didn't take much more than a bottle and two chairs to make a speakeasy. This is what Daniel Okrent said in his book, Last Call, The Rise and Fall of Prohibition. Today, join us for some stories. Get your own bottle, glass, mug, and relax. This is Speak Easily, and I'm your host, Krista Stoffer. <laughs> we don't get fancy. There's no need. I know. That's what he did. Do you do an intro? Like? No. We just talk. Oh. So we go into it right now. We absolutely do. Right. Hi, Chris. Hi, how are you? <laughs> it's a little funny because we just finished our lesson. So sure. we've already hung out for an hour. Sure. We've been telling amazing stories already. And sure. We should have had the mics on. That's all right. We can repeat them. We can, well, we don't have to repeat them. Oh. We can. We can if you want. We You're can. the boss. You were talking about uh, only murders in the building. Right. Because I'm going to New York this week. Right. Exactly. Exciting. Exactly. And so we, you have a friend that works... There. Yeah, his name is Chris Barnes. He's a stunt coordinator. Okay. And he's a stunt coordinator on Billions, and he's also the stunt coordinator on Only Murders in the Building. And uh, I went up and did some what they call non-disclosure driving, which is not high-speed stunt driving, mm-hmm. but more um, driving for safety in yeah. the sense that yeah. they got two actors in the middle of the road running down the street. They don't want every Tom, Dick, and Harry on there driving around screaming obscenities and stuff. in New York, too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so they hire... A bunch of uh, stunt drivers to drive about 35 miles an hour in a circle while the actors are doing what they're supposed to do. Oh, so, my gosh. Yeah. Did they give you a car or did you just- No, they gave me a car. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they gave me a car. I, I, uh, what did I had some old beater, but it's all right. What do you listen to in there? Um, I listen to my heartbeat so that I don't hit one of the actors. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, thank you for that. <laughs> yes, exactly. But no, um, I have a uh, earpiece in my- uh, Ear, and then oh, I got okay. the stunt coordinator feeding me, hey, this is what I want you to do. I want you to stop. Okay. I want you to roll your window down and wave to somebody or do something like that. Okay. So, yeah, they usually, they don't want you listening to the radio. They have, like I said, they have a PA or a stunt coordinator on set that is giving you directions as you drive. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah. That makes mm. sense. But you do a lot of driving. Uh, I do. I do more fighting. I'm more of a fight guy okay. than I am a driver. I fall down a flight of stairs. I get knocked to the ground. I get kicked. I get uh, punched in the face. Um, for those who out there that really don't know who I am, <laughs> I am an ex or former professional wrestler, mm-hmm. Johnny Paradise, uh, um, 250 pounds of twisted steel and sex appeal. Okay. That was, that was, okay. That I didn't was know my, that part. my thing. And now I'm a stuntman and actor in mm-hmm. TV and uh, mm-hmm. motion picture movies. Who says that? <laughs> Not many people, but it sounds so professional. It sounds a lot more professional. Yes, I work I am in a motion pictures. Motion picture movies and television. I feel yes. like you should say it with an accent, you know, to be um, a little more hoity-toity about it. I'm saying it in an Ohio accent. In Ohio. Are you, <laughs> were you born here? Yes, born and raised in Mansfield, Ohio, which okay. we're in Columbus right now. So I'm, what, 35, 40 minutes up the mm-hmm. road. Yeah. Yeah? Yep. So, all right, let's let's travel back to... Okay. Chris's humble beginnings yes. in Mansfield. Yes. What, where did the wrestling thing come from? Did you wrestle in school? No, I was a football player. Football and player. Um, I was an all-Ohio football player at linebacker. And for the Mansfield Tigers? No, I was for the Lexington Minutemen, which was Mi- uh, south of Mansfield. Yeah. And I graduated in 89, which makes me really old. Stop it. Um. But I was always the showman. I was the Brian Bosworth of Lexington. Whenever I'd sack a quarterback, I'd do a dance over him. i talk trash to the offensive line. And my dad always teased me and said, man, you make a great professional wrestler. Well, 
God foresee it. I was a professional wrestler. Huh. I went to Ohio State for about a year and a half, and I dropped out of there because I was too smart for the school. Okay. No, that's a lie. Um, <laughs> it's because I actually stopped because I was screwing around more than taking my studies seriously. Yeah. And my dad said, what do you want to do? And I said, I want to be a professional wrestler. And he kind of laughed. And he said, I don't have a problem with you doing it as long as you pay for it. So mm -hmm. I went out and I okay. got a job and I saved up $4,500. And then I went to the Monster Factory, which is in Marion, Ohio, which was in Marion, Ohio. What did, what did they do there? They taught you how to be a professional wrestler. They taught you really? how to fall, throw punches, throw kicks, do promos, and come up with a character. Oh, my mm -hmm. gosh. I didn't realize there was, like, mm -hmm. training for yes. this. You have to. I did seven months of training, okay. and then I went to the World Wrestling Federation as what they call a jobber, which okay. is a glorified beat-up guy. And I got my first match was against the Road Warriors, which are two 300-pound muscle-bound guys who paint their faces and wear shoulder pads and ride out to the ring on Harley motorcycles. Wow. Very intimidating. Yeah. In front of 39,000 at the Rochester War Memorial in Rochester, New York. And then the next night, I wrestled in Erie, Pennsylvania against The Undertaker and got oh pile-driven, put in a body bag, and had a funeral procession into the locker room. That's amazing. Good times. You've been an actor for a long time. Pretty much. Then. Yeah. Pretty much. So um, how did they? How did you come up with your character? Like how did they? Well, the crazy so thing is, my dad came up with it. My dad and my mom were getting ready to go on a cruise, and so they were looking online, mm -hmm. and there was a cruise called Paradise Cruise Lines, and the guy's name that was doing the tour on the DVD's name was Johnny. Mm. So I kind of put Johnny Paradise together, or he did, which was kind of a catchy name. Mm -hmm. So Johnny Paradise from Fantasy Island, Every Man's Nightmare, Every Woman's Dream. 250 pounds of twisted steel and sex appeal. That's and, amazing. And I get the same reaction that you're doing right now out of every person that I tell that to. <laughs> but did you have any other failed names that didn't? I used to work as I, I did a job where I wore a mask. So a lot of times on professional wrestling, independent promotions, yeah. you might wrestle more than once. Okay. They'll put you under a mask. Maybe they'll put a hood on you or something like that and you wrestle. Mm -hmm. So I wrestled um, under a red, white, and blue mask as the union worker and carried a lunch pail out to the ring. <laughs> and I would use a lunch pail as a weapon. When the ref wasn't looking, I'd clock the guy in the head. The time that I stopped using wearing the mask was the mask was too loose and it spun around backwards and I couldn't see. And I tripped over on my own feet and fell out of the ring and landed on my head. <laughs> Okay, how do you not get hurt? Oh, you get hurt. You yeah. do get oh, hurt. Oh, yeah. Professional wrestling is 99.9% .9 choreographed. Right, and right. And there's storylines, and you you learn the moves, you learn the practice. But there's times where things don't go as mm -hmm. planned. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I mean, the doctor, I had a brain tumor in 2014 based on my wrestling. When I went to... Uh, um, Pittsburgh, I went to a concussion study called, um, it was through the UMPC, you know, University of Pittsburgh Medical Center. Mm -hmm. And it was through um, the University of Pittsburgh and it was a concussion study. And they do a series of tests. And on the PET scan test, they found a softball sized brain tumor. Oh my God. And the doctor told me that I had had 42 brain contusions over my lifespan. What does that mean? That means I've had 42, about 42 concussions or head trauma based on 
shots to the head with a chair, playing football, landing on a steel railing outside of the ring and smacking my head, my wife slapping me. No, (laughs) but you know, it's, uh, I'm pretty blessed because I I just went back to um, the Wexner Center probably Mm -hmm. six months ago and nothing is going bad in my brain. I still have one. It's amazing. Yeah. You have a good brain. Yeah. Not too bad. Yes. That's wow. The only so, thing that the only thing is every now and then I have a tad bit of memory loss yeah. and I lost uh um almost 87% hearing in my left ear. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to I'm getting fitted for hearing aids so I'm not so damn loud. But uh um I mean it does work for what you do. Some, you yeah. know, I mean, if you've never seen me I'm like 6 foot 2 and a half, 260 pounds. And I'm very aggressive looking and I'm very intimidating. I'm a big, (laughs) bald-headed, ugly guy that uh, I have a face for radio. That's what my wife always says. Chris, you have a face for radio. No, she does. She gets mad when I say that, really. That's very untrue, and you know. But uh, um, my dad always told me when I was a kid, if you can put a smile on somebody's face, you've had a successful day. Yeah. So um, he also told me that the sun shines on a dog's rear end every now and then. That's when I get a sunburn. (laughs) <laughs> very different uh pieces of advice exactly from your father my dad was a uh um philosopher i guess you would say what he did he a, do my dad owned a place called haunt exterminating okay and we were bug killers a family of bug killers did you so, do it yeah i did for 20 some years Ooh. it was the worst oh it's awful i started working for my dad when i was 12 years old summer times and god bless him he's been gone now for probably 11 years but mm. he taught me the value of work ethics mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. how to um, never shortchange somebody mm-hmm. and give them 110%. I might be working for 10 minutes, but in that 10 minutes, give them 110%. Yeah. If I'm working an eight hour day, give them 110%. So mm-hmm. I, I've been pretty blessed because I've only had five jobs in my whole life. Really? Yeah. Where okay. a lot of people have had a lot of jobs. I've so, only had five. Exterminator. Exterminator. That was the first. Right. Pro wrestler. Pro wrestler. Stunt coordinator. Well, Is I that consider that with, with my acting. acting. With acting. Right. Um, I worked for a company called Garbage Guys Who Care, <laughs> where I worked for a, it. The company actually was a great company to work for. My buddy Steve Cobb owned it. And they had pink garbage trucks and they gave back. I think it was 25% of their quarterly earnings to the Breast Cancer Foundation. Oh, that's really cool. So basically what I was was the grunt. I would go out, load couches and refrigerators in the back of a pickup truck, Mm -hmm. and then I'd take them to the dump. But the nice thing about it is there would be one day where I'd be on a set with Zac Efron working as uh, a stunt bailiff in a movie called Extremely Wicked and Vile, the Ted Mm -hmm. Bundy story. Mm -hmm. And then the next day I'd be throwing garbage bags in the back of a truck. But the nice thing about it is it kept me humble because yeah. I'd appreciate being on set a lot more because knowing that when I got back to Mansfield, mm-hmm. I'd get all stinky and smelly because I'd be throwing garbage around. Mm-hmm. So it made me work a little bit harder to get to where I'm at today. Yeah. So, yeah, you know what? I And then I also work at the YMCA in Mansfield for 18 mm-hmm. years as a personal trainer. Mm-hmm. And for the last five years, I've worked as a fitness life fitness coach for nonviolent drug offenders mm-hmm. and through Crawford County courts. Yeah. And that's probably the most rewarding job because I've had guys that have been heroin addicts, crystal meth addicts. And when I was a kid, I would always 
wonder, why does my dad want to be in my life so much? Why does he want to know where I'm at? Why does? Mm -hmm. And today, I thank God that he was in my life so much because I don't smoke, I don't drink, I've never done drugs. And a lot of it had to be with him because I knew he'd be breathing down my neck. So in a, in a way, it's a blessing, yeah. you know, even though my life, my kid life was a little boring because yeah. I never went to the parties and did all this and that, but that's all right because it made me a better man today. Yeah. Mm -hmm. When, <clears throat> when you do the work with, with these nonviolent in, are they inmates? No, well, they live in a sober living home. Most oh, of these guys okay. are, are just getting out of a correctional facility for okay. either using or selling or whatever. And they're placed in a sober living home. Mm. So basically what they do is they come to me for about an hour a day mm -hmm. to an hour and a half. I put them through a workout. Okay. And I'm more like a drill sergeant in the sense that. Really? I try, <laughs> I try to be. I don't treat them like a piece of crap. I yeah. try to treat them like a, a human. Mm -hmm. And I give them a lot of chances. And I'm always there 24-7 in case one of them's going to relapse. They call me, whatever. But um, I try not to be their friend, though, because yeah. then they try to take advantage of me. Because believe it or not, drug addicts are probably the biggest con artists in the mm. world. You know, mm -hmm. now the guys that I work with, um, all of them are good guys. Mm -hmm. They just made bad decisions. Right. So a lot of what we work on is making correct decisions, um, eating clean. And a lot of it is every one of them have an addictive personality. Mm -hmm. Weightlifting is an addictive. Mm -hmm. It releases what they call dopamine in the yep. brain, yep. which gives you that addictive personality. Mm -hmm. So basically what I'm trying to do is take the drugs away Transfer that to transfer it to, to the, to the good stuff. feeling good. Yeah. So when they take their shirt off, they feel proud. Mm -hmm. Um, when they walk down the street and the girls whistle at them, they feel proud because they're, they're experiencing a whole new high mm -hmm. in the sense of fitness and feeling good right. and being proud of what right. they do. Right. Mm -hmm. Do you, how long do they typically stay in the program? Though? Um, that's the judge's decision. Okay. So I've had a guy that's been in the program for five years mm -hmm. because Every six months to seven months, he relapses. Mm. He starts to feel really good about himself. And then he thinks, I can go out and do this. I'll go out and have a beer. And then the next thing, a beer leads to a or marijuana, mm -hmm. which leads to a line of Coke, mm -hmm. which means a needle in the arm. Yeah. And then they go back to the sober living and they would start all over. Now, usually, so far in the five years that they've been running the program, we've had about, eh, I would say about 17 guys. Mm -hmm. I would say probably... 13 to 14 of them now have got a job. Mm. They're experiencing a relationship with their kids. Mm -hmm. They're being productive in life. So we've got about an 80% success rate, yeah. which is good. And the nice thing about it is, does it cost the taxpayers anything? Mm. What the judge does is <clears throat> he does a thing where he'll take $100 out of every speeding ticket in Crawford County mm -hmm. or $50 out of court costs. And he'll take and he'll put it in a special relief fund and he builds that fund up oh. and then they write a, um, what do they call that? A, uh, just like a grant, a grant yeah, to match it. Oh, so wow. they usually, he, he did it for about five years and raised about $200,000 oh and then they matched it with a grant for 200,000. And then there's a women, woman's trainer, her name's Shelly. Mm -hmm. And then there's me. Okay. And then what we do every now and then is Shelly's a PO. So, She's a parole officer and Thank then she's you. also a jailer. Oh, okay. So the guys don't like her. So what we, every now and then what we'll do is we'll switch. I'll go with the girls. She goes with the guys. Yeah. And she's just as rough as I am. And, oh. um, but it's a nice thing. They build a nice facility for us. Mm -hmm. 
and um, below us is the Golden Age Center, which is for senior citizens, and they play euchre and bingo and stuff mm -hmm. like that. And they'll come up and use the gym and work out. Mm -hmm. And they've established a nice relationship with a lot of the guys that come up there. You okay. Because a lot of drug addicts, they're skinny little runts with no teeth, and they're cracked up, and, they, and they're scary looking, you know? Yeah. But I get those guys before they actually turn that way, mm -hmm. which is a good thing, you yeah. know? Jeez. Are they, so they are there judge appointed? Yeah. If they don't have yeah. the No, option. it's part of their probation. Okay. So if they no call, no show, it's strike one. Once they do that three times, they violate their probation, they go back to jail. Now, I've got one guy that's got 620 days hanging over his head of jail time. It's basically a get out of jail free card. Mm -hmm. And um, you know what? I, I'm pretty lenient in the sense that I give you three strikes and then you're out. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of these guys have kids. Yeah. A lot of these guys are all tatted up. And all they can get is factory work because they got tattoos on their neck. They got tattoos on their face. And it's like, I wouldn't hire a guy like that. Yeah. You know? So they get factory work. But I got one guy who's got a factory job and he's been there for four years. He's making $30 an hour with full benefits. Okay. You know? And the nice thing about it is once an employer sees the felony of drugs on a record, they don't want anything to do with them. Right. It's a job placement program through the courts where these companies like Tim Ken. Mm -hmm. And Eagle Crusher and a lot of these big factories in the Mansfield B. Cyrus area mm -hmm. have got a co-op and they'll take a chance on these guys. Which is cool. Right. Yeah. Because when they need something, they go to the judge. So it's a nice scratch mm -hmm. your back, you scratch my back yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Travel back then. So <clears> you you got your training. Right. You started going into the ring. Right. Um, 28 years. 28 years. Mm -hmm. That's a long time. Uh, I worked. I worked. Majority of it was on the independent promotion. I jumped back and forth into the WWF a little bit. Mm -hmm. I went to a company down in Atlanta called WCW, and I worked there for a little bit. And then I went into extreme championship wrestling, which was a little too hardcore and violent What does that me. mean? Extreme championship. They take the ring ropes up, and they wrap the ring in barbed wire, and you'd have to wrestle in barbed wire. And that was a little too extreme for me. So I lasted there maybe two or three months, and then I stopped. You know? I How is this safe? Yeah, it's not. And they pay you what? <laughs> Hundred dollars a night. Oh, really? In the in the smaller uh, promotions. I mean, there's there's it, professional wrestling anymore is so watered down with all these different promotions mm -hmm. that these guys don't make anything. Back when I used to wrestle, I'd go to an independent promotion in Detroit or Indianapolis or Lexington, Kentucky or Erie, Pennsylvania, wherever, mm -hmm. and I'd make maybe four or five hundred dollars a night. They put you up, they pay your travel. Now some of these guys only make 50, 60 bucks a night and they have to pay for their own travel. They don't oh make gosh. enough. If I have to go to the hospital because I break my arm, yeah. you know, a lot of times promotions have insurance bonds that'll mm -hmm. cover them. Some of them don't. And sometimes wow. you run into shady promoters that if, during the intermission, they take off with all the money and you don't get paid. I remember one time I worked on a promotion in Kansas City, which is about a seven hour drive. Mm -hmm. And I went there and I wrestled and everything was good and the promoter was gone. I had to drive seven hours home. I didn't get paid, and you know, and it's Jeez. it's it gives you a a bad taste in your mouth about doing it. But you love the showmanship. You mm -hmm. love to be in front of the crowd, just mm -hmm. like an actor. Yep. I mean, you'll see some of these guys. <clears throat> I see on Facebook, and I I kind of get a little frustrated just because there's a lot of these independent movies that want everything for free. Mm -hmm. We want actors for free. Mm -hmm. We'll feed you, and we'll give you an IMDb credit. That's great, and I understand that you have to build up your resume. And mm -hmm. I understand that you have to build up your reel right. and all that, but I see it in the stunt work too. And I'm, my whole thing is you ask a guy to fall down a flight of stairs 
and you don't want to pay him and you don't have production insurance, Mm-mm. it's crazy. That's not safe. You know, and I get in arguments with guys about mm-hmm. that stuff because, I mean, at least get production insurance. Right. At right. least. You might not want to pay him. I understand that. No, but, but make sure you have insurance. Cover your butt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's scary, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when did you, was it just kind of like a natural entrance then into stunt work? Well, when I had my brain tumor in 2014, my doctor said that the wrestling was done. Yeah. Too willy-nilly. You don't know what you're getting in right. there with. Right. And then a buddy of mine by the name of Dave Hutchinson, who's a a lead, or he's a big-time stunt guy out in L.A., mm-hmm. <clears throat> we were talking. I kind of, I was kind of depressed because I'm a, I was born to be in the spotlight, I guess you'd say, an entertainer. Yeah. You know? I'm a character. What? Yeah, I know. You it's are? It's hard to believe. 250 pounds of sarcasm. <laughs> so I was talking to him and he goes, why don't you get into the stunt work? It's all safe. Everything's safety, 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 safety. Mm-hmm. Unless you work on an independent promotion. Right. True. Um, um, I'm not saying all of them. There's some good ones out there. Don't mm-hmm. get me wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and he said, and I said, well, I don't know. He goes, I'm telling you, you've been a stunt man already for 28 years. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know more about the fight world than most of these stunt coordinators mm-hmm. do, you know? And on how to stage a fight and the yeah. camera angles and all this and that. Mm-hmm. Um, so we talked and eventually I went to be an extra on Captain America, the Winter Soldier. Mm-hmm. And there's a gentleman in Cleveland, Ohio, by the name of Richard Fike. Okay. And he runs Stunt Predators. Mm. And I met him on set. Okay. And there's an elevator scene where Frank Grillo beats up all the guys in or, or Chris Evans beats up all Frank Grillo's guys in the elevator. Mm-hmm. Well, I got to be one of those guys take a drop. Nice. And it was thanks to Rick Fike. And I became part of Stunt Predators, and I worked with Rick for a while. Mm-hmm. And he's a martial arts expert. And if you notice, a lot of stunt guys are martial arts guys. Mm-hmm. I'm a pro wrestler, so I'm a different breed. Right. Um, but I got hooked up through the stunts through my buddy Dave Hutchinson out in L.A., and he was like, really pushed me and pushed me and pushed me. And I'm like, you know what? Why not give it a try? Hmm. So I got into it and mm-hmm. I've, I can't say that I've really excelled in it, but for Ohio, my resume is pretty decent. I've yeah. worked on some big projects, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. I worked on red notice with uh, Dwayne Johnson and Ryan mm-hmm. Reynolds. Um, I got to work with Adam driver on white noise. Mm-hmm. I got to work with Don Cheadle and I got to beat Ewan McGregor up and miles ahead. The miles Davis story worked with Zach Efron uh, I was on Wrong Turn, mm. which they shot in Hocking Hills, and I got to play mm-hmm. one of the, the weirdos that lived up in the woods, and I get bashed in the back of the head, which was awesome. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a little deranged because I think it's really cool to fall down a flight of stairs. Yeah, that is a little different. <laughs> I don't say that myself very um, often. I get, I think it's pretty cool to get hit in the back of the head and take a face plant into the ground, you know? No, but, I, no I don't know, Chris. But I, I saw that there's an there's a interview with... Um, Adam Sandler and, um, the really good looking, Brad Pitt, really good looking guy. <laughs> it's Brad like, Pitt. that's not going to help. <laughs> and he, they were talking about stunt guys on set mm-hmm. and they were saying that stunt guys are the coolest guys on set mm-hmm. because they do the toughest things. Mm-hmm. They take a lot of grief because they have to do it over and mm-hmm. over and over and the, Adam Sandler said, when I see the stunt guys paying attention and laughing and enjoying my work, I know I'm doing it really well because mm. those are the cool guys. And I oh, want to hang out cool. with the cool guys. And then Brad Pitt at the Oscars said something about stunt guys and how they don't get any recognition in the Oscars mm. and how they should. Because if it wasn't for the stunt guys, then the movies wouldn't look as good as they do. Because right. Brad Pitt's not going to get smacked in the face 
or he's not going to take a uh, tumble down the stairs or he's not going to get hit by a car. Mm -hmm. So it's like my window in the stunt world is closing Mm -hmm. because I'm 52 years old and I'm trying to build up my acting career. That's why I Mm -hmm. asked for your help Mm -hmm. and you're an amazing coach and you've helped me out quite a bit. And uh, so I'm trying to leap into, but I'm a character actor. I don't fit a lot of roles. You know, I mean, I'm, you're not, you're not going to do a commercial about pine saw. (laughs) No, that or or deodorant. Deodorant. (laughs) And I won't ever be in the notebook. Why? uh, Because that's, if if someone's not getting punched in the face or getting their head taken off, then that would have made the movie a lot better. I'll be honest. (laughs) Probably. Oh my gosh. But, uh, I'm more of a, me and my wife had discussed, uh, that, uh, um, I'm more of a character actor. Mm-hmm. I don't fit a lot of, of roles, mm-hmm. but when it comes to bodyguards, henchmen, mm-hmm. um, creepy looking guys in the alley, mm-hmm. stuff like that, I fit the role perfect. Absolutely. <laughs> but that's a good thing about it too. And we've talked about this before of like, you need to know your type. Amen. You need to know that right. you're not going to be playing the, you know, the sensitive the little guy, quiet, sweet yes, book exactly. nerd in the corner. No, exactly. You're not. I, I'm the same. I will n- probably never be the drug dealer mm. <laughs> or the henchman or the henchman <laughs> um, or the guy in the alley. That's right. probably not going to be the creepy guy in the alley. Right. You might be the creepy girl, but not the creepy guy. I don't even know that I pull that off. <laughs> I mean, oh my gosh. Hi, welcome to the alley. How can <laughs> I help you today? Exactly. No, that's not, not but, my type. But like I say, I, uh, if you're going to become an actor, I, people always ask me, what kind of advice would you give someone who's going to be an actor? Yeah. If you can't take rejection, mm-hmm. don't be an actor because I only get maybe five to 10% mm-hmm. of the things that I apply for or yep. audition for. Mm-hmm. And I get rejected. And the thing about it is, is you audition and you're real hyped about it. And then you never hear anything nope. anymore. Nope. And it's kind of like, you always wondering, am I going to, you know, and you might think, that you're going to nail this part because Yo, you did yeah. such a great audition. Oh, absolutely. I'm perfect And you never movie. hear anymore. Nope. But then when you do the crappiest audition you think you've ever done, hey, the part's yours. Yep. And it's, it makes no sense. It never does. But like I said, usually I uh, I tell people, the second bit of advice is hard for me, mm-hmm. but I tell people when you go on set, keep your mouth shut and your ears open and listen and learn because I'm a rookie. Even though I'm 52 years old, I'm a rookie. And there's always something that you can learn on set. Yep. So if I'm talking and, and shooting off at the mouth and mm-hmm. thinking I know it all, mm-hmm. when someone's giving some advice to somebody else yeah. that I could pick up on, mm-hmm. then I'm doing myself an injustice. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. The other the other thing that I will throw in there is be kind to everybody. Sure. Exactly. Because you don't everybody. know. Everybody. No. Right. You, you don't know who you're going to come across. Right. I mean, you might be an ass to the next Spielman. Right. Or James Cameron. Yeah. That... They might need a ball-headed guy somewhere down the road, and they might see your headshot and say, well, I met that guy five years ago, and he was real ass. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to hire that Mm-mm. guy. So you're right. You know? Yeah. You're right. I, I actually had a theater professor tell me this is terrible. Um, he actually said, you'll get nowhere in this business by being kind. And I was like, really? even then, I thought, that doesn't seem right. Sure. Because I know people have gotten things because they were kind. Sure that they may not have gotten for any other reason sure. other than this is a really kind person. They're really easy to work with. They're very kind and right. generous. I, the people that I know that, that make it in this industry, like they're kind. Right. They, they, yeah. There, I was with the John Travolta on criminal activities. Mm-hmm. Now I had a, what they called a featured extra part. Mm-hmm. I played his bodyguard. I didn't have any speaking lines, yeah. but every scene Travolta was in, I was standing right over his shoulder. Nice. 
and we were sitting on a park bench because it was a we shot it in Cleveland, mm-hmm. right next to the uh, Cuyahoga River. Mm. There was a barge going through, so they shut production down for about twenty minutes. Let the barge go through. Yeah. So I'm sitting on the park bench, and he's sitting down with me, and he goes, he asked, he asked me what I did, and I said I was a professional wrestler for some so many years, and he goes, you know what? He goes, little bit of advice. When you go on set and small on some of these smaller, do everything you can because the more you have bullets in the chamber, the better off you're going to be. Yep. So learn some of the behind the scenes mm-hmm. stuff as long as with stuff in front of the camera, right. it'll make you more of an asset on set. Mm-hmm. Um, because on the smaller productions, as you know, mm-hmm. because we've both worked independent stuff, mm-hmm. a lot of times you have to help them move lights. Even yeah. if you are the lead actor, you have to help them, you know, clean up after lunch, stuff like that, mm-hmm. you know, and it's a team. It's a team effort, right. you right. know. So get as many bullets in the chamber as you can because mm-hmm. it will make you more of an asset when you're on set. So, yeah. you know, I, that's one of the things that I've learned. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things that I try to do. I like you that. Know? Yeah. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. It's pretty cool. I've been pretty blessed right. because I've got to work with some of the most people, most amazing people and met some of the most amazing people. Um, I remember working on Miles Ahead, the Miles Davis story. And there was a scene that I was in was I was dating Ewan McGregor's ex-wife and he owed her alimony. Hmm. So he's out, leaned over the car, giving her all these excuses and giving Mm -hmm. her grief where I come out of the store, grab him by the shoulder, spin him around. I sucker punch him and I take the money out of his pocket, throw it to her, get in the car and peel off. That was my scene. Not a real big scene, but Don Cheadle come up to me afterwards. It took two, two takes. And he come up to me afterwards, going to give me a big hug and said, hey, it was only two takes. He goes, you don't realize how much money you just saved production by Be doing ready. it so and rehearsing it and doing mm-hmm. it so well. And the nice thing is Richard Fike, who was part of Stunt Predators, wasn't on set that day. So I got to choreograph the, the scene. Mm-hmm. And um, it kind of made me feel pretty good because yeah. here's Don Cheadle, who's an A-lister. Mm-hmm. And here's Ewan McGregor, who's an A-lister. And they asked to get a picture with me. So Aww. we all three got a picture together and it was pretty cool. Nice. And I got to hang it in my living room and, you Aww. know, it's one of those memory things. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I could see them tomorrow. They probably wouldn't know who I was. Yeah. But that's all right. Yeah. I have that memory. You do the- stand out a little bit, though. You like have a stub toe. I'm like a stub toe. I stand out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. What, what is the, um, do you ever fangirl? Do you ever get like around somebody that's Mickey Rourke? I'll tell you my Mickey Rourke Ooh, story. Tell me your Mickey, Mickey Rourke, Rourke story. is my favorite actor yeah. of all, just because he's rugged and yeah. whatever. So I was out in Burbank and I was on a dating show called The Proposal, which was on ABC. Yeah. I was in CR episode six. And I did it for a publicity thing. What were you doing? What was I doing? You were on as a contestant? As a contestant, and I had to win the love of the girl behind the curtain. Oh my gosh. So you go up, you plead your story. Yeah. And you talk about yourself a little bit. And at the end of the show, she picks out two people. (laughs) And then she picks out one out of the two. And then you have 60 seconds to either propose or walk away. Oh, that's insane. It's completely insane. No, I made it to the second round. I made it to the bathing suit round. Oh my gosh. So I come out and 
basically my, me and my agent talked and said, this is a good way for you to get out there and right. show that you have a heart. Mm -hmm. Talk about your brain tumor. Yeah. You know, open yourself up, right. maybe tear up a little bit, you know, whatever. So I made it out there. So I'm out there in Burbank and I have a rental car mm -hmm. and I'm going to the gym to work out. Okay. And I pull up and Mickey Rourke pulls up next to me in a Mercedes, convertible Mercedes. And he looks over at me and I'm thinking I'm freaking because it's Mickey Rourke. And it's the only time, and I've been around all the big time wrestlers yeah. and all that stuff. Yeah. I never got freaked out, but I got freaked out when Mickey Rourke was there. And he leaned over at me and he goes, and he put his thumbs up and he kind of nodded at me. I sped through the red light, almost got hit. Oh my gosh. I freaked out and I hit the gas and just took off through the red light. <laughs> Almost got hit. You didn't respond to him at all? It was no. just like <laughs> exactly. And then I called my my mom. Um and I told her that I almost got hit, but I saw Mickey work and it was all worth it. And it was kind of crazy. But uh um so that's kind of like my that's your fan freak girl. out, yeah, you know, fan, you know, freak mm -hmm. out thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Is there anybody that you want to meet that you haven't had a chance to meet? Well, I've I, my my kind of like my inspirational, motivational kind of guys, Dwayne Johnson. I, just, mm -hmm. I watch his mm -hmm. motivational videos and working out videos and stuff yeah. like that. So I, I met him in the WWF. So I've been, I'm good there. Uh, Ryan Reynolds. I didn't really get a chance to meet Ryan Reynolds too much, even though I was on the movie with him. Yeah. Super nice guy. Mm. Zach Efron was great. Mm. I mean, really down to when he found out I was, this was right after the uh, Baywatch movie. So oh, him okay. and Dwayne Johnson were like this. Yeah. And he found out I was a professional wrestler. So he came over to me and he said, hey, I heard that you were a professional wrestler in the WWF. I said, well, yeah, but I wasn't much of one. And he goes, hey, I love wrestling. Can we eat lunch and we'll talk wrestling? I said, that's cool. Yeah. So I got to eat lunch with all the Cincinnati actors. Mm -hmm. oh, yeah. Look at Chris Hawes eating lunch with, with Zach Efron. I thought it was really cool. You're like, I was at the cool exactly. table. Exactly. <laughs> I was at the cool table for once. Um, but... You know, my goal is I want to land one of these superhero roles, mm, mm -hmm. you know, because then I go to all those comic cons and make money for years and years and years down the road, you know, but that's what I want to do. I want to land a superhero, you know, surely they have like wrestling cons. Don't well, they, they do, they yeah. do. but, um, superhero movies would be really cool. What would you your know? character be? Um, I know I'd be thought the, about with this. the x-ray vision. Okay. You know, and I'd fly around and look at all the hot looking girls and all that. So you'd fly. <laughs> You're going to fly and have X. I don't think you get both. You get to pick one. My wife probably wouldn't like that. No, but that's she would all right. not like that. <laughs> no, my, my superhero would be, um, power would be my boyish looks. Mm -hmm. I'd be the con artist. But I want to be a villain. I don't want to oh. be a superhero. I want to be in a superhero movie as a villain. Okay. I play a great villain. You do. You know? Yeah. Um. They need to make more superheroes about villains to make them the heroes, you know? Hmm. Super villains. Super villains. You know? Yeah. It is the more interesting thing it to really play. It really is, you know? I love playing the villain. Like, what's his name? I, I really thought that Tom Hardy did Bane in the Batman movie really, really mm -hmm. good. Yeah, He was a good superhero. Stood out for that Right. One. Um, What's his name? Uh, Josh Brolin played mm -hmm. Thoron or whatever in, in the Guardians of the Galaxy. I thought he yeah. did a pretty good job. Mm -hmm. That's what I want to do, be a villain. Mm. But, like I said... I I tried and tried and tried to get in the John Wick movie, the yeah. last one. Yeah. Um, I just want to get in one of those big franchise movies. Mm -hmm. And it's just to, to be on set, to experience yeah. the whole 100. I mean, Red Notice was a $140 million movie. I mean, it was huge. 
-hmm. And it was just cool to see how they built those sets mm -hmm. and what they did. And I'm in the Russian prison scene where they built a castle in Atlanta, Georgia. It's 98 degrees. They put a green screen over the castle and they, they have a snow blowing machine and it's winter time. And we got jackets on, Ugh. winter jackets, and it's 98 degrees and we're sweating like Ugh, crazy. Golly. But it was a great payday. Yeah. It was fun. Yeah. We had a blast. That's you know? amazing. So, if, you like I said, I, hopefully I don't. But if I would die tomorrow, I'd be pretty happy with the way my life went, you know? That's pretty amazing. I got a great wife. She's very supportive of everything. What does she do? My wife is a school teacher, and she works with, um, well, when we first met, she ran a workshop for um, developmentally disabled adults. Okay. And she would get punched and kicked and stuff like that. And she would have like a shiner. And when we go out to dinner, people thought I beat her up. <laughs> I mean, seriously, I get nasty looks. Yeah. But she's got the best heart in the world. Mm -hmm. And um, the funny thing is, and she's going to get mad that I say this, that when I tell people um, she used to work with developmentally disabled, mm -hmm. people go, that's why you guys get along so well. That's <laughs> <laughs> terrible. That is terrible, but... It's funny. I think it's hilarious, oh but gosh. she gets mad when I say well, that. Yeah. But right now she works with a, it's a dropout recovery school. Oh, wow. So she works with kids that are in the process of getting their GEDs mm -hmm. that maybe had to drop out because they had a sick family member or yeah. they had to go to work to help support the family and stuff. Okay. So she works with them and she's, like I said, she's simply amazing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's she's simply amazing. Wonderful. And then. In 2012, I met my biological mother who lives in Erie, Pennsylvania, oh, wow. and I visit her quite a bit, and mm -hmm. she's a great lady, and she's very supportive. So I got a great support group around me of people that just, cool. and when I start to feel down, mm -hmm. they give me a kick in the butt, and or I look on my phone, and I see my MRIs and how they cut me open in the forehead mm -hmm. to remove the brain tumor, and it just motivates me more to That's go out there, and I got a second chance in life, I'm going to make the best of it, right. you know? Wow. <laughs> I, like, I said that all in one breath. That's amazing. Yeah. So I'm like I said, and now I got a great acting coach. And when I get the <laughs> big role, I'm going to have to pay you tons and tons of money because I'm really hard to remembering dialogue. So we're going to have to go over and over and over it. But there's a big role out there for me somewhere. There is. Absolutely. You just got to be patient. Somebody out there. Yeah at this guy no i'm so proud of your work and your heart in general you do so many amazing things well yeah yeah have to be if you be, if you come across as an ash you're never going to get anywhere no you're life. not no so it's not worth it right i get up every morning at five o'clock in the morning i go to the gym and i work out yeah. and then i train at the y till about 10 o'clock and then from at 10 30 i have to be galleon i work with the nonviolent drug offenders and then i go home and my wife works till five and I clean mm -hmm. the house and mow the yard and I'm Mr. Mom. And then by the end of the day, I'm ready to go back to bed and start all over. Jeez. What do you, what do you listen to when you work out? Um, Are you, you're going to believe it or not. I listen to techno music. Do you really? Because it keeps my heart rate up. I love that. Mm -hmm. I'm not far off. I have certain songs that I, techno, I can only listen to. During or workouts. I listen to like, some scream rental. Like I listen to it's crazy and this is going to sound really weird. But I listen to, they're called H-U-H-U, um, and it's Mongolian tribal music, and it's chants. And they do a lot of uh, um, remakes, but in Mongolian. So they did uh, Metallica's Sabbath True. 
Fear oh the Sandman, gosh, but they yeah. do it in Mongolian. And it's drums. It's like Viking music. Oh, my but gosh. But it's, it's kind of freaks out and it gets you a little amped and it's got a beat. I got to work out to something that has yep. a beat that keeps yep. my heart rate up and has a yep. beat. Mm. I don't know how people can work out to podcasts. No, podcasts and bump and grind music. <laughs> I have a guy that says an R&B soul that's like really like, I'm going on a date and I'm going to yeah. try to get my girl all ready. You know? <laughs> it's like a real, it's like, why? why how can you listen to that? I gotta listen to something that's intense. I want to rip somebody's head off. That's that's a different motivation altogether. I guess. Mm -hmm. I guess. Mm. Now I'm frightened. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, where can people find you if they want to learn more, um, link up with you, so hire you for your supervillain? My Instagram is ch stuntman. Mm -hmm. That's my Instagram. My Facebook page is JP for Johnny Paradise Han. JP Han. That's my Facebook page. Mm -hmm. Um. I just got an X account, which used to be Twitter. Okay. Um, CH stunts. And then at Chris Hahn, Ohio um, at yahoo.com mm -hmm. is my email. And then uh, your IMDB page. Too. IMDB. Yeah. Mm -hmm. IMDB page has everything I've ever been in. And like I said, if you Google good looking, sexy guy, my phone number will come up in my mm -hmm. email address and my headshots. And it also says humble right after. It says humble. Mm -hmm. And it says mm -hmm. modest, modest, quiet, quiet, shy, shy. Um, <laughs> but no, if you, so all my social media has my emails on it, has yeah. my phone numbers on it. Yeah. I'm not afraid to, to put my phone number out there just because Oops. I'm, yeah. If you want to call me, you know, that's great. If you want to call and breathe heavy in the morning, hey, that's even better. You'll be in the gym working out to exactly. Mongolian music anyway, exactly. so it doesn't matter. Listen to Mongolian music, so. So it's going to sound gonna, about the same. It's, it's, <laughs> that's exactly what I was going to say. But no, I mean, like I said, you can IMDB, mm -hmm. um, you can Google Chris Hahn actor mm -hmm. and it'll come up. And I have a website that has all my stunt reel, my acting reel, all that stuff like that. Yeah, you're so. doing a good job of keeping yourself yeah, well, out there. Well, okay. you have to. You, you, you know what? I even do things that I mislead people. Hmm. So I'll put, let's say a movie shooting in Cleveland. I'll put in Cleveland, Ohio on set. Mm -hmm. da -da -da, and I might not even be on the movie. But it keeps people thinking, you know what? He's working, he's moving, he's hustling. You he's are. Doing whatever. Yeah, so, you are. You know, the, the whole acting thing is... If you if you if you can't get your if you don't want to get yourself out there you shouldn't do it you know mm -hmm. I mean to be an actor you have to have a little bit of an ego yeah you know and you have to have a little bit of now I'm also very very insecure hmm. yeah in the sense that I have a hard time taking my shirt off on scene and mm -hmm. stuff like that I can't mm -hmm. do that stuff yeah but like I said hey it is what it is you know yeah can't be perfect no. No. no, that's impossible. But I appreciate you having me on. This was great. This is so much fun. <laughs> I'll have to do it again sometime. Oh my gosh, we could do I got one. plenty more stories. No, I'm sure you do. Oh, <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. And we'll see you next week in class. <laughs>